to another edition of Buckeyes of Maryland, the show where we bring a little bit of Ohio to the DMV. Uh, with that being said, let's go ahead and kick today's episode off with a matchup that I've really been looking forward to from some time now, and that is the Cincinnati Bengals uh, versus the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, anybody who's listened to this podcast uh, in the past knows that um, I tend to be a little bit biased when it comes to the Philadelphia Eagles, with that being my favorite team. Uh, but I'm going to try and look at this objectively. Uh, so let's just break down a couple of these storylines heading into the game uh, before we do an analysis. Uh, Joe Burrow comes in from a game against the Browns where he completed 37 of 61 attempts. We'll get to that in a moment. Uh, 316 passing yards and three total touchdowns and a 35 to 30 loss to a Browns team, which many considered very talented, but uh, overhyped coming into this year, just like last year. Uh, but that game was never really as close as the score indicates. Cleveland was in complete control of that game from the start with the run game they had going with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt and company. Uh, so the the kid throws for 316 yards on 61 attempts. That's a ridiculously high number for any quarterback, let alone a rookie. So let's just get that out of the way. He, you know, he shows poise at times. So he he will get back in the pocket and look like a vet. Um, but at other times he'll look lost, you know, just like any other rookie quarterback. So it's only been two games into his professional career. So it's hard to really, you know, overreact or, you know, predict accurately which career trajectory he may be going down. Uh, with that being said, he looked uh, he looked pretty well. You know, he he didn't. The Bengals don't have nearly the amount of weapons that the Browns do. When you talk about just from a pure talent perspective and skill positions, uh, you know, you look across the board. You have AJ Green, you have Tyler Boyd, uh, you have CJ Uzuma, uh, and you have Joe Mixon who's probably a top 10 back in this league, uh, who also just received a contract extension. Uh, then you look at Cleveland, who has Odell Beckham Jr., Jarvis Landry, just picked up Austin Hooper, still has David Njoku, has Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt to form one of the best one-two, maybe the best one-two punch we've seen in a long time at that running back position. Um so they're loaded. Cleveland's loaded in comparison to Cincinnati. So I'll go ahead and give Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals a little bit more time before I go too hard on them. Uh, yes, he was the one, number one overall pick, and he does have a ton of expectations levied upon him. And, you know, it, all number one picks, it really, heck, anybody in the first round receives, you know, scrutiny. If you go that high... Uh, pick, they picked you for a reason, so you have to, you know, prove them right. Joe Burrow could do no wrong coming out of LSU with the historical season he had, and, you know, it's undoubted he has swag and he has confidence and he has the ability, but what kind of quarterback he's going to end up being, we just don't know yet. It's only been two games. 
then you go to Philadelphia, who is just, man, they, saddens me to say this, but they look bad right now. And I don't know if that's because Carson Wentz's psyche is kind of, you know, up in the air right now with the uh, selection of Jalen Hurts this past draft. I don't know if he's looking over his shoulder, but he's not looked right coming to this year. Um, you know, we'll take a look at his stat line up against Los Angeles. Uh, he completed 26 of 43 attempts for 242 yards, no touchdowns, and two more interceptions. Uh, the one thing is that he was not sacked in this game. So you can't make any excuses because coming into the game, after giving up eight sacks versus uh, the Washington football team's defensive line, who, man, they're really starting to come on strong. Uh, you know, a lot of people pegged that offensive line to give up, you know, multiple sacks, but Carson wasn't sacked at all. So, I mean, you, you look at the uh, totality of injuries that Philadelphia has on, you know, both sides of the ball and – you would think that we could give them the benefit of the doubt, but, you know, that's just not the case in football. It's usually always a next man up mentality and approach to it. So that's the way, you know, that I'm looking at the current situation because I've seen Philadelphia do more with less, uh, you know, namely last season when Carson, you know, won the last four games of the season and carried a bunch of no names to the playoffs against Seattle so I've seen him do it before so I'm way too early to you know for me to switch my allegiances from Carson Wentz to the aforementioned Jalen Hurts but you know with the type of city that Philadelphia is and um, you know the high draft selection of Hurts you just can't quite help but wonder you know, is this game, you know, is it one of those nightmare scenarios? Is it a trap game in which if Philadelphia does lose, you you may be wanting to take a look at getting your uh, your round two pick out there and hurts? I don't know. I mean, what do you guys think? But, you know, as this season goes on and if Philadelphia keeps regressing and you know heading down the same path as last season you might see a mid-season switch and I you know I really hope not because I am an avid Carson Wentz fan I you know 2017 he very well could have been the MVP you know prior to injury so I'm he's not too far removed from that but I'm it's just way too early for me to switch the way that I feel about uh, the quarterback situation. And aside from the, uh, you know, the quarterbacks, you, you look at the run game and you were able to generate, you know, a lot more than you were last week, you know, because you had the addition of, uh, you know, starting running back Miles Sanders, who provided, uh, you know, good production off the ground 20 rushes 95 yards and a touchdown he did have a pretty costly fumble to you know begin the game for Philadelphia but you know he was injured there's no preseason you know insert any excuse you'd like to <laughs> but you know 
Miles Sanders does help, um, you know, with taking some pressure off of Carson Wentz. Uh, I love Boston Scott, but Scott is nowhere near a starting running back. He's more of a rotational piece in the backfield, um, as evidenced by the number of carries that he got four for 19 yards. He also did have, you know, three catches, 24 yards, uh, also out of the backfield. But, you know, the return of Miles Sanders did help a bit. So that's promising. I think that Sanders, I don't know what the over-under for for him is for finishing over 1,000 yards this year, but I'll, you know, I'd take that bet any, t- uh, any day of the week. So I think he'll finish with over 1,000 yards. He was very productive. Uh, I think he set the rookie record for scrimmage yards, uh, total scrimmage yards for a, a rookie running back last year. Um, but with that being said, Philadelphia needs more out of its other skill position than wide receivers. Uh, you can't, I don't think you can ask too much more out of the tight end room when you have Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard making, uh, you know, making not highlight real catches, but definitely being productive every week. Uh, you know, week one, it was Dallas Goddard who had the big game. Week two, Zach Ertz did bring in five catches. Goddard brought in four. So you're getting production from that group. The group that everybody wants to see something from is the wide receivers. Uh, you know, Deshaun Jackson didn't play uh, a high amount of snaps in week one, and he did in week two in comparison. You know, he was targeted nine times, had six catches, 64 yards. So, you know, you like to see that. You know, his longest reception was for 25 yards. But uh, outside of him, I mean, who else can you really count on? Uh, Jalen Rieger is apparently now out for six to eight weeks with a, I believe it was a, a thumb injury, uh, some type of hand injury. But uh, he's going to be missing some time. So who steps up during that time frame? Is it Greg Ward who came on last season? Is it J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, who has been a no-show these past, uh, you know, two seasons so far? Who knows? So somebody's got to step up. I I know Philadelphia is probably going to run a lot of two tight end sets like they have been with the talent that they have on that side. But you spend a second-round draft pick on a guy like Arcega-Whiteside, you, you're expecting production. And you spend a number one uh, you know, a first rounder on Rigger, who's now going to miss a hefty chunk of games this year. So I, I don't know, you know, where to begin with that. So that's always a head scratcher. You're going to need production out of them, those wide receivers in order to, you know, win games. You cannot rely just on Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard to get you, uh, you know, catches game in and game out. Uh, if you want to look at the defensive side of the ball, Philadelphia is not actually looking – they haven't looked terrible on defense. We've been without a couple of key pieces. Uh, Derek Barnett returned, I believe. Javon Hargrave played some snaps. Uh, you look at the uh, the team as a whole – they have a lot of room for improvement, most certainly, but I don't know how much of that is going to happen without having a healthy roster of guys. And like I said before, this is a uh, next man up type of league. 
It always has been, especially with the amount of injuries that we've seen pile up to begin this year. It's scary. I mean, we just lost Saquon Barkley, uh, you know, for the season with, uh, I believe, an ACL tear. We lost Marlon Mack with a big-time injury. Just lost Christian McCaffrey for a big portion of the year. Michael Thomas is going to be out. Jalen Rieger is going to be out. Uh, I believe Nick Bosa is missing some time. Uh, it's just, and that's just to name a few. There is so many players who have been hurt already, and yes, we know that's because a lack of a preseason, lack of a proper off season. Uh, you know, no, tra- not a large training camp, I believe. So conditioning definitely has played a factor in that. We all knew that going into this season. That's not a secret. Uh, this will open the door for a lot of guys who have been waiting on the bench for their their uh their opportunity to shine and it's always nice to see a guy emerge uh you know the same thing happened with James Conner although not injury related you know with Le'Veon Bell had his whole contract stalemate with the Pittsburgh Steelers James Conner came in right away and looked like a breakout star and you know say what you want about him since uh you know since that happened but he has been you know looked at as one of the better running backs in this league now so with that being said you know philadelphia just has to find a way to you know win games you know regardless of who's on the field at this point it's you have to approach the game that way so you know just this this isn't one of those highly anticipated matchups you know it is a the number one overall pick versus, you know, Carson Wentz, who went number two overall in his draft. So it always has name appeal when you talk about that. You know, everybody's going to be looking at Joe Burrow, especially in Ohio. Everybody's going to be watching his games, uh, you know, when televised. But it's not one of those, you know, highly anticipated matchups to others. Just me, probably, just because I'm a Philadelphia fan. <laughs> uh, but in order for Philadelphia to walk out of this game, with a win, they have to be more productive with the opportunities that they have. Carson Wentz has to stop making these head scratchers of throws. Yes, we know that you have a strong arm, Carson. Yes, we know that you can put the ball anywhere on the field. But you have to be more, you know, attentive to your decision making. Take what the defense gives you at moments instead of trying to force the you know the ball into such tight windows at times. Yet you know he's these four interceptions that he's had all come down to poor decision making, and that's that's the sad part about it. He could definitely you know fix that issue, but he has to learn to take what the defense gives him and. I guess at this point in time, this is what Carson's fourth year in the league. You would like to think that this wouldn't continue to be an issue, but uh, it happens. I mean, look at guys like Jameis Winston, who threw over 30 touchdowns, but also 30-plus interceptions last season, and now you guess where he's at? Sitting on the bench. So, where do the Eagles go at this point from here are we looking at a potential 0-3 start uh, for the proud franchise or are we going to get the first dub of the season 
which, you know, obviously I hope, you know, being a biased Eagles fan and all. But uh, at this point, which is more likely? Uh, to me, I'm going to lean towards the dub. I'll give them the benefit for the doubt playing a rookie quarterback and all. Uh, but I can't say that I have a lot of confidence in that pick. Uh, I'm going to go Eagles in a low-scoring affair, 20-17. to 17. Uh, Philadelphia at this point in time, I believe, is 27th in the league in scoring uh, with the Bengals not far behind. Uh, well, not far ahead, rather, at uh, 24th. So I don't think this is going to be a very high-scoring game. I think the Bengals put up somewhere around 21 points a game in Philadelphia. is about 18 or so. Uh, so I, I don't see this being a high-scoring affair, but I think Philly does enough to get the job done. Uh, one quick little nugget uh, in regards to injury statuses this week. Alshon Jeffrey, who has returned to practice, will not be active for this game. Um I believe Rudy Ford will be out, and obviously we already discussed Jalen Rieger, so he's going to miss six to eight weeks again. Uh, questionable is Fletcher Cox, the big-time defensive tackle for the Eagles. That could be potentially a major loss. Uh, hopefully he's in there, but you you never quite know with these uh, status reports uh, for injuries. Hopefully he suits up. Uh, but again, I'm going to go Eagles 20 to 17. Okay, bold predictions time. Uh, so, Joe Burrow finishes with under 300 yards. That's going to be my take. I think he finishes somewhere in the neighborhood of 240 to 250. Uh, Philadelphia's secondary, uh, while the addition of Darius Slay has helped, we've been getting cooked by. Uh, by uh, opposing players so i'm not really too uh too hype on them just yet and i don't know if that's just maybe a result of the uh poor play at linebacker with nathan gary uh and others but uh i'm i'm uh i think they're gonna have a bounce back game so they're gonna hold burrow under 300 yards um i'll keep it with the Bengals. three touchdowns through the air from joe I'm going to go no. I think he finishes with two. I'll go one to Tyler Boyd and the other to uh, Joe Mixon. So I think they run a screen uh, out of the backfield and they get Joe Mixon in for one. But uh, two touchdowns for Joe. Uh, Moving to Philly, Carson Wentz has a breakout game. Uh, with three touchdowns, over 350 passing yards. I think he has a I'm not no, it's not going to be a career game, but it's definitely going to be over 350 passing yards. So we'll go with that. I think he drops two to uh, each tight end, Dallas Goddard, Zach Ertz, and I think he gets a big one to Deshaun Jackson. Next, uh, speaking of Deshaun Jackson, I think he has another breakout game like he did last year and in week one against uh, Washington where he explodes. So I'm going to give Deshaun Jackson over 125 receiving yards on five catches uh, with a bomb going for 50-plus. So that's uh, 
<laughs> those are some bold predictions. I think Miles Sanders finishes with his first 100-plus rushing yard game of the season, establishing himself as the lead back in Philadelphia from now on. Uh, I think that uh, Tyler Boyd has a pretty uh, pretty good game at uh, 75 receiving yards on four catches. And, yeah, those are my bold predictions. Before we head to our next topic, I'm going to go ahead and debut a new segment here at Buckeyes of Maryland called Say It With Your Chest. And when I say that, I mean exactly what the topic states. Say it with your chest. Get something off your chest. And today, what I'm getting off my chest is the fact that I absolutely hate when people don't say what they mean. Don't you guys? I mean, seriously, you can tell when somebody's being passive aggressive, right? So what is the point in that person hiding behind some lame excuse for the way that they feel? No, just say what you mean. And I know this is not sports related as most topics on this uh, podcast are, but I just cannot stand when people don't say exactly what they mean. I mean, you could fix so many situations if people just kept it real. You know, it's like, what do you expect a person to do if you're unwilling to, uh, you know, express how you really feel about a situation? How do you fix specific situations between another person or any type of debate or argument or anything like that? How do you fix those if the other person is not being real about a situation and i know that we can all be guilty of this from time to time so i'm not going to sit here and act like i am immune to this and that i like i've never done it before no i can never do that but what i will say is that it bothers me immensely it gets under my skin when people do that because there's just there's no excuse for it and like i said we all tend to do it but man it really just gets under my skin there have just been so many times in my life where i've had a disagreement with somebody and i could tell uh that you know they were either bothered by something that i've said or by my actions or something like that and they have just not kept it real with me and like put me in check or anything like that it's just like come on dude if i'm wrong just tell me i'm wrong because i'm damn sure gonna tell you if I think that you're wrong about something. So just say it with your chest. Get it off your chest. Say, you know, say how you feel. Uh, you know, you guys, you know, feel free to send me, you know, comment, you know, whatever. Let me know how you're feeling. If you got to get something off your chest, just, you know, let me know. And, you know, we'll discuss it. We'll talk about it. Uh, again, this new segment we're debuting here, and that is Say It With Your Chest. <laughs> okay, ran over. Back to sports. Uh, and big news coming out of the uh, area of Cincinnati, as I'm sure that people are aware now, the Cincinnati Reds have clinched a playoff berth, guys. That's very, very exciting. It's been seven years since we've seen playoff baseball in Cincinnati at Great American Ballpark. It has been so long seven years i mean you're talking about i believe the last time uh we were in the playoffs there you know we still had players like jay bruce joey cueto uh we still had uh guys like 
I believe Chris Heisey was still there, Sin Chu Chu, uh, a couple of guys. Uh, so, bottom line, I'm very excited to have baseball, uh, you know, postseason baseball back in Cincinnati. And they have definitely uh, clicked coming down the stretch, uh, you know, this in this shortened season, obviously, uh, but definitely benefited from the stellar rotational play of the pitching staff. Uh, when you talk about, you know, potential Cy Young award winner in Trevor Bauer, um, Sonny Gray, Lewis Castillo, Tyler Maui, uh, you know, just to, to name a few of those guys. And, you know, although the relief pitching staff struggled at points this year, they were able to get uh, the, the job done. And let's not fool ourselves into thinking that the, uh, you know, the the lineup didn't, participate in getting these guys to the playoffs when you talk about uh you know mainstay Joey Votto you know is always always impacting the game somehow even though you know his average you know his batting average has never really been something that'll woe you uh wow you rather uh you have a new addition and Mike Mastowskis uh Nick Castellanos Shoko Akiyama, you know, guys like that who really brought a lot to the table this year. And, uh, you know, Jesse Winker, Nick Senzel, you know, a lot of guys. Uh, and let's not forget Tyler Barnhart and uh, Aristides Aquino. That guy's up, you know, he can hit bombs. But the main point is we have playoff baseball in Cincinnati, guys. Uh, you know, after their win over the Minnesota Twins, they did clinch that postseason berth. So, Although this year obviously didn't start off as planned, it's been worth the payoff to see, you know, Cincinnati, who's, you know, obviously a small market team, make it back to the playoffs because these guys, you know, they have definitely brought fandom back to Cincinnati because you talk about a seven-year stretch without playoff baseball. Man, that's that's a drought. That is a drought, guys. So, uh, you know, I'll be rooting for them uh, in their first-round matchup, obviously. You know, go Reds. Uh, You may see me sporting some Cincinnati gear uh, (laughs) if you're in the area. Uh, Just, I don't know, very, very excited about that. So, with that being said, you know, we, we look at the... Marlins and the Reds having clinched playoff spots last night, leaving, I believe, the last two spots in the NL up for grabs between the Cardinals, Giants, Brewers, and Phillies. Uh, So we'll have to see what shakes out with the last two remaining playoff spots. But uh, let's talk about who I think should start game one uh, in the postseason. And I think it's pretty obvious uh, just looking at the year that he's had and that's uh trevor bauer the potential cy young award winner has been on fire this year so you know just just to look at his stat line he doesn't have a high win loss total uh, but that's not always an accurate prediction of how successful a pitcher's year has been Uh, he comes in today with a five and four record uh but he has a 1.73 era pretty high he's pitched 73 innings uh 11 total games for him uh in that rotation so he's definitely had a 
stellar season. He probably, uh, if I'm being honest, he probably won't win the Cy Young Award in in terms of, you know, when you look at the other players who are up for that award, I mean, you, I'm, I'm looking at you, Darvish, Jacob deGrom, Corbin Burns, Danielson Lamont uh, of the Padres, so... He's got a lot of competition this uh, this season, especially with it being a shortened season. Who knows how voters are going to choose to vote? Uh, but we'll uh, we'll have to see. But that's that's my pick to start game one is Trevor Bauer. I think they have the Reds slated to play the Braves uh, at this point in time, but uh, we'll just we'll have to see how it shakes out with those final two playoff. Uh, spots up for grabs but uh, you could definitely do a lot worse than having a guy like Trevor Bauer as your number one uh, starter uh, for game one obviously if they chose to go the uh, Louis Castillo or Sonny Gray route I wouldn't necessarily be upset at that either because honestly this this whole Cincinnati Reds rotation is fire right now they're a big reason why the Reds uh, managed to turn his season around and get into the playoffs because the way that the season started off with uh definitely high expectations i would say but uh we nobody predicted honestly that the reds would make the playoffs i think uh baseball reference gave cincinnati less than a 13 percent chance of making the postseason which is pretty low <laughs> so i mean they made it very exciting stuff guys all righty, moving right along to uh, basketball, we have the Denver Nuggets versus the number one seed at Los Angeles Lakers tonight and what very well could be a closeout game for the Lakers. Uh, if they're able to win tonight, they will advance to the NBA Finals against either one of the two of the Boston Celtics or Miami Heat. And to be honest with you, I, I love to see either one. There's just so many storylines. I mean, obviously... You have to uh, to get past Denver, and you know we all have continued to hear about uh, their historic twice now winning two series, uh, being down three one. So that's a big deal. Obviously, anybody from the Ohio area knows what the uh, Cleveland Cavaliers managed to do in the NBA Finals against the uh, Golden State Warriors. So any anybody who's a fan of basketball really honestly knows how big a deal that is. And to let alone do it twice, uh, the Denver Nuggets up against, you know, lesser competition. But they still did it. So I'm not going to totally, you know, not give them credit. But if I'm being honest, uh, you know, I'm definitely pulling for the Lakers to close it out tonight. Uh, we'll break that game down in just a moment. But let's... Let's look at uh, some of these storylines with, you know, the Miami Heat and the Boston Celtics uh, battling for their, you know, playoff lives for a finals berth. I mean, if L.A. was to win, you look at, uh, you know, a potential matchup between the, uh, the Celtics and the Lakers, and that carries a lot of history obviously between the two teams uh this is a new area uh era obviously uh with the teams having previously met in the finals i believe in the last time was 2010 uh obviously kobe bryant and pal gasol led lakers team winning that finals against the uh you know the final years of paul pierce ray allen kevin garnett you know rajon rondo 
Kendrick Perkins and company. Uh, so I think that that definitely would be a great matchup to see. Uh, you obviously have the uh, Los Angeles Lakers, who are pretty much a uh, two-star driven team with a whole bunch of role players to you know that follow suit versus an ensemble cast really in uh, you know Boston with. Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, uh, you know, to name a few. They have Daniel Tice, who's a pretty good player in his own right. Uh, and, off, you know, off the bench, Gordon Hayward. Uh, so we'll have to see how things kind of shake out there. And they they really have a lot of good bench players. They get a lot of bench production out of that, uh, that Boston team. When you talk about guys like uh, Robert Williams and uh, – Osimile and you know and company so they they definitely would be a good matchup and it, it carries the historic you know value in the marquee matchup it being the uh rivalry between the Lakers and the Celtics but the other team that really also carries some pretty good storylines with it is the Miami Heat which Obviously, you know, anybody who's been a fan of basketball in the last 10 years knows LeBron James' history with the Miami Heat. You know, four straight finals trips, two championships for him and his time there before departing back to Cleveland. But, uh, you know, that would be a great matchup to see. You know, they have Jimmy Butler, Tyler Hero, Bam Adebayo, uh, just to name a few. Uh, They definitely pose a tough matchup, if you ask me, for los angeles because of the physicality that they uh that they play they're not afraid of the moment they play tough uh they play great defense they shoot the ball very well from deep uh when you talk about guys like uh duncan robinson and again tyler hero who convert you know pretty well and uh lest me not forget the uh seemingly ageless goran Dragic at this point who's had a, a, a really good postseason run uh, especially with these last two series uh, for him. So that'd be a great matchup for them. I'd love to see either one. It's box office either way. Uh, either way, you got Lakers uh, versus Celtics possibly or Lakers versus Miami. And if it sounds like I'm writing off the uh, the Denver Nuggets, yes, I am. Denver's done. Uh, they're cooked. Uh, Jamal Murray and uh, Jokic have definitely – advanced and progressed this season i think they've blossomed into stars uh, superstars even in their own right Uh, we already knew what uh, the joker could do but the real question i guess for denver really was what is jamal murray is he a star is he you know was he a superstar can he be consistent enough when it you know in the game's on the line and i think he proved a lot of naysayers wrong uh jamal murray's got game he's definitely you know the the nuggets are in good hands they're a homegrown team in terms of talent and they're only going to get better i mean you talk about already you have the joker and you have murray but uh, you have uh emerging players and michael porter jr and possibly uh even guys who sit the bench like bull bull who haven't really gotten their shot but uh could bring a lot to the table in the future they're homegrown they haven't had to go out and really get any big time free agents uh, unless you really count paul Millsap, who's you know i'm not going to downplay what he's done to their team because he's definitely added to the identity there but they uh 
they're a good team to watch. I love to see small market uh, small market teams like Denver uh, make it to you know close to the top. And this is not going to be their year, obviously, uh, going up against a very very talented Lakers team. But uh, they're they're almost there, man. They're they're getting close. Uh, but this is not going to be the season. Uh, for them they're not going to be able to overcome 3-1 again book it here you know I said it and I'm sure a lot of other people predict it they're down 3-1 the odds of that happening is very uh very low very minuscule I mean it's not impossible but I just don't see it happening so you know if I had to predict a score for tonight I'm going to go uh Lakers obviously uh and not a big fashion because a lot of these games have been very close so I'll go 118 to 112 Lakers I think that LeBron shows up big time in a closeout game with a 30-plus point triple-double. I'll go ahead and drop him with 35, 12, and 14. I think Anthony Davis uh, you know, also has a big closeout game. I'll give him 28, 12, and let's say four assists. Uh, I think they're definitely going to have a huge game. The One of the big reasons why this Los Angeles Lakers team works so well in this matchup is the uh, the bigs. Uh, Dwight Howard and JaVale McGee, who both pretty much sat against Houston because they didn't have any other choice with the you know small ball that they played there, have been stellar. Uh, Dwight Howard, in particular, has been able to pretty much take the Joker out of this series. They have done an excellent job in limiting his uh, his passage to the rim. And the same goes for uh, Jamal Murray. They've been able to halt nearly everything going to the rim. And, you know, we already know what Dwight Howard brings to the table. He's a uh, former three-time Defensive Player of the Year award winner. So we know what he brings to the table on that end. The question with him has always really been, you know, where's his head at? Is he focused? Does he really want to win? And I think that, uh, you know, especially coming into this season, a lot of people were interested to see what his mindset would be. And I think now we really know. Uh, Another player not to be overlooked is Playoff Rondo. (laughs) I mean, so that's, he has this just, uncanny ability to flip a switch in the playoffs and you know come alive so he's he's been a big reason why LA has been able to do as well as they have uh, since his return from injury he is one of those guys who can take the pressure off LeBron uh, you know another ball handler off the bench so LeBron doesn't have to play point full time uh, when he's in the game and stretches when he's out he can orchestrate uh, you know, their your offense. He is, you know, I believe Rondo is in his what 16, 15, 16 season. So it's just, you know, crazy to see uh him just be able to do that. There's only a handful of guys, you know, I know that can do that. Obviously LeBron is one of those guys who can kind of flip his switch uh come playoff time, but to see uh somebody that uh you know that's not LeBron do that is always you know a good storyline and I honestly really do hope that they're able to parlay this season into a championship but uh we're not gonna well I'm not gonna sit here and do what the uh (laughs) the Los Angeles Clippers did and that's I'm not gonna overlook 
what's in front of us, you know, what, what's in front of the, the opponent. Uh, big time, you know, team or teams that you could be facing in the East in Boston and Miami. So you can't overlook those teams either. But I think the writing's on the wall. I think everything is set up for the Lakers to be the uh, the season champions, you know, and LeBron will hopefully get his fourth ring, you know, which is much deserved at this point, you know, with, especially with the amount of uh, adversity that everybody in these playoffs have had to face with COVID going on. You know, this is not a regular finish to the uh the playoffs I don't think anybody really when we began this season obviously nobody could have ever thought that something like this would have ever you know happened and teams would be playing in empty gyms with virtual fans uh you know it's just maybe it's the new future you know you you really never know but uh the new norm but uh you know we'll have to see but everything is set up for Los Angeles to run away with their fourth uh well LeBron to run away with his fourth championship this season and to be honest with you I'd be very happy to see that because I think every year LeBron gets snubbed in the MVP race I think honestly he had a legitimate case to be the MVP the regular season MVP this year over Giannis uh you know that's just me you know if you're going strictly from statistics Giannis probably does it better than anybody else in the league but when it when you talk about really who has been the most valuable to their team, I don't question the fact that it's LeBron. I mean, yes, he does have Anthony Davis, and Anthony Davis also has a claim to top five, maybe top ten MVP voting this season, uh, as well as Defensive Player of the Year. I believe he came in second to Giannis as well. But I think he gets robbed every single year because of, uh, you know, voter bias i think uh people have seen him win four mvps um with the cleveland cavaliers and miami heat and just said you know what he's got enough <laughs> but uh that's just my opinion on it and i know i may be a little bit biased uh being from ohio and you know with lebron james being such a big part of cleveland cavaliers basketball or you know bringing the first championship to the city of cleveland and uh, a very long time. Uh, so I'm always going to be biased in that regard, wherever LeBron is. I'm a huge LeBron fan. Uh, Cleveland Cavaliers to the day I die, but uh, love to see LeBron do well on whatever team he's on. Okay, we'll close out uh, today's episode with my picks for uh, week three in the NFL, and we'll jump right into it. Uh, we'll go ahead and go... The Washington football team versus the Cleveland Browns. The over one under for this is 44.50. So I'm going to go Cleveland in this. It's kind of hard to pick against Cleveland just because of the uh, talent on the opposing team. Fails in comparison, to be honest. Uh, Washington does have a excellent defensive uh, line, so uh, especially coming off, I think three sack performance against uh, their last opponent, and obviously they dropped eight sacks against uh, Philadelphia. Uh, but I'm going to go with the Cleveland Browns. I think Baker Mayfield, Nick Chubb, 
uh, Odell and company come away with the win here. I will go a uh, pretty mom affair, low scoring game, 21 to 17 uh, by way of Cleveland. Uh, moving on to our next matchup, the San Francisco 49ers versus the New York Giants. Um, San Francisco has a litany of players who will not be suiting up this week. That includes D. Ford, uh, Greenlaw, George Kittle, Jimmy Garoppolo, Raheem Mostart, Tevin Coleman. That is the list of players who will be inactive for San Fran today. So I am going to be forced to pick the New York football Giants. And I know they just lost Saquon Barkley. But uh, I'm going to go ahead and roll with the uh, G-men on this one. I'll go low-scoring game as well, 17-14 to 14 by way of New York. In our next matchup, we take a look at the Chicago Bears versus the Atlanta Falcons. Chicago coming in with a 2-0 undefeated record. Uh, Falcons haven't won a game this season. So... Uh, based off of what I've seen this year, I'm going to go ahead and go with Chicago, even though you have pretty inconsistent play uh, from the likes of Mitchell Trubisky. You just don't know which guy you're going to get on a game-to-game basis. Uh, and the Falcons just blew another historic lead <laughs> to the Cowboys, so I'm probably not. You're not going to find me picking the uh, the Falcons anytime soon. I will go score of... 23 to 20 i think they're able to pull out win number three uh there in chicago to continue their uh their season uh moving on to the oakland uh no let me correct myself the las vegas raiders versus new the uh, new england patriots so this is a pretty tough game for me to predict uh, i'd love to sit here and just say i think it'll be a blowout game for uh new england uh, with cam newton in town now but i can't do that because las vegas has looked really good to start the season Derek carr has looked uh like a top 10 quarterback uh to start the year so i am going to uh go with the oakland again i can't i just can't help myself i'll i'll have to go with the las vegas raiders in this one uh in a score of 27 24 they going to uh, win by a field goal. Sorry, Cam Newton. <laughs> uh, next matchup would be the Los Angeles Rams versus the Buffalo Bills in a battle of two 2-0 teams uh, on this season. Los Angeles comes in having won pretty convincingly over my beloved Eagles, and the Buffalo Bills come in having won as well. Uh, Josh Allen looks every bit the part of a franchise-caliber quarterback. Uh, his accuracy has started to improve a little bit, and he always adds the uh, you know the rushing element to his game. So I'm going to go ahead. If I had to decide, I'm going to go ahead and go with the Buffalo Bills here. I think Josh Allen uh, connects deep with Stephon Diggs in this one to win the game. I'll go 27-20. Next matchup, the... Uh, Houston Texans versus the Pittsburgh Steelers. So let's just, I, I want to devote a little extra time to this one just because anybody who has listened to this podcast in the past knows how I felt about Ben Roethlisberger uh, to begin the year. And he started to make me kind of eat my words 
Uh, hate to admit, hate to admit that because I've said that he has nothing left in the tank, a little washed, but uh, he's he's proven me wrong. So uh, when you look at the landscape of things for Houston, they obviously traded away DeAndre Hopkins, who's been a revelation for the Cardinals uh, to start this season, and their best weapon is Will Fuller and uh, uh, David Johnson. So it's really hard for me to pick Houston. Like I want to. But I just my heart is not going to allow me to because although Deshaun Watson is top three quarterback, uh, he just they have done him a disservice. I think they're going to end up wasting his prime. And that's very sad. Pittsburgh, on the other hand, uh, has a man. They got a slew of weapons. Uh, You know, James uh, Jalen Samuel looks very good. They got James Conner. Uh, you know, in Washington, they obviously have Juju and they have a few other weapons and their defense is pretty loaded as well. When you talk about guys like TJ Watt, uh, Devin Bush, uh, and the ageless Joe Hayden, uh, love to see that guy ball out. Uh, but they are probably going to win this game. <laughs> Sorry, Houston. Uh, so I'm going to give this a score of 28 to 14. I think it's not going to be close. It's going to get ugly. Uh, next game goes Tennessee Titans, Minnesota Vikings. And if there was a team right now that needed a win, it definitely would be Minnesota. But guess what? They are not going to get it this week. <laughs> Derrick Henry is going to run all over this Minnesota team. And it, this is not going to be a close game. Kirk Cousins has looked awful to begin this season. He's right down there with unfortunately uh Carson Wentz uh in terms of statistical output this season so I don't think that changes this game I think again Derrick Henry has a monster game goes over 100 yards after kind of being held in check uh last week so I I definitely think that Tennessee comes out 3-0 score of 27-24 uh next matchup New York Jets versus the Indianapolis Colts. You will never find me voting any time for the New York Jets. I'm just, I'm sorry to say that. Sam Darnold does not look like a starter in this league. I think he ends up getting replaced eventually. I know they devoted a lot of draft capital into, you know, getting him to to New York, but I just don't think he's the answer. And ever since he came back from Mono, he just looked like, uh, you know, he's seeing ghosts. <laughs> Indianapolis, uh, Philip Rivers, another guy I've kind of thought should probably hang him up, but he's looked actually pretty decent to start this year. Uh, they did lose Marlon Mack, but that has opened the door for a couple of players, uh, namely Hines, uh, in in this offense. So I think that they'll they'll uh, they'll manage to pull off the W this week against a very lowly Jets team. Uh, we'll go ahead and go 22-14 to 14 in this game. Uh, Carolina Panthers versus the Sandy, nope, Los Angeles Chargers. I, another team, man, these name switches, these, uh, <laughs> these you know, moves to other cities really get me. But, uh, yes, the uh, Panthers versus the Chargers. So it's been a hot storyline this week, um, you know, conspiracy or not. Tyrod Taylor had a lung punctured 
in uh, right before the start of last week's game by the team doctor, who is apparently trying to administer painkillers for uh, some some rib issues that Tyrod was experiencing, regardless of what you think. I believe Tyrod will not be in this game. What does that mean? Well, that means that Justin Herbert draws the start again, and he had a very strong strong week last week in his debut to the NFL. So I think that uh, things are trending upward there with offense. Um, You know, Los Angeles definitely looked like one of the worst offenses in the league under Tyrod Taylor, and that's honestly kind of always been the case. Uh, Tyrod has a nice story, uh, but he's just he's a very conservative player. He's not going to throw a lot of interceptions, but is that really what you want to see in a uh, in a quarterback? Uh, you know, a whole bunch of conservativeness, never taking any shots. That's not going to really win you games uh, down the stretch when it counts. So I think that uh, you're going to see probably another pretty good performance out of Justin Herbert uh, against this. This uh, pretty woeful Carolina Panthers team who decided to move on from Cam Newton uh, and start the Teddy Bridgewater era in uh, Carolina. It's not been off to a good start. They're 0-2 at this point. Uh, Los Angeles definitely has a lot of players on their injury report. You look at Balaga, Jenkins, Jackson, Melvin Ingram, Vigil, Belial. Jones and obviously Taylor, uh, who's out with that uh, punctured lung. So I will go the Los Angeles Chargers in this one with a score of 30 to uh, 21. I don't think that the Panthers are going to be able to put up a tremendous amount of points in this game. Uh, Next, we'll go ahead and look at the Tampa Bay or Tampa Bay. Buccaneers uh, versus the Denver Broncos, who <laughs> got laughed at this week for uh, bringing in Blake Bertles as their uh, their parent injury replacement for Drew Locke. <laughs> uh, not going to be picking against Tampa Bay here, guys. I mean, come on. Uh, they have too many weapons to uh, to really to lose this game. I mean, yes, Gronkowski hasn't gotten a lot of targets, but uh, Mike Evans, Chris Gottwin, now Leonard Fournette, who had a pretty good game last week, went over 100 yards. I think he continues that role, as I said to uh, in, uh, in previous episodes of this podcast. I believe Leonard will end up being the uh, primary back down the line for them. I think he finishes with over 1,000 yards this season. Uh, proves a lot of naysayers wrong. Uh, believe it or not, he didn't have a terrible season for Jacksonville last year I just think that uh, he didn't live up to the uh, the hype there and they're ready to move on start a new era so uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers in this one high scoring affair on their side I just I don't think Broncos put up a lot of points behind Bertle so this is gonna be a blowout guys 30 to 13 next matchup Dallas Cowboys versus the uh, Seattle Seahawks this is a must-see game. Uh, I think it is America's Game of the Week, if I'm not mistaken, uh, on Fox. So you'll get a uh, a matchup between a presumptive, you know, top three 
maybe even top two finisher in the MVP race uh, in Russell Wilson, who I think really probably will end up winning this year, uh, versus uh, a Dallas Cowboys team who has, you know, a lot of confidence coming off their, you know, comeback against the uh, Atlanta Falcons, who always just seem to give games away, <laughs> apparently, uh, in, in, in historical fashion. So I think that this is going to be a high-scoring affair. I'm willing to go 33-30 to 30 on a field goal uh, in favor of the Seattle Seahawks. I'm not going to bet against Russell Wilson because just when you think you have the guy bottled up, finds a way to win the game. Um, they have a star in the making in DK Metcalf who pretty much lit the Philadelphia Eagles up in the playoffs last season. Still fuming over that. Uh, and you look at Dallas, who is was very hyped coming into the season. They did suffer a couple of injuries heading into that, uh, heading into the regular season uh, on their defensive uh, lineup, and they've lost even more. I mean, uh, I believe they lost Gerald McCoy this season. They just lost Leighton Fander Esch, Blake Charwin, Sean Lee is always consistently dinged up. Uh, they did manage to pull. Alden Smith, you know, out of football purgatory. Uh, that guy hasn't played in like five years and started like he, uh, you know, started the season off like he never missed a beat. Uh, you got to get more production out of Demarcus Lawrence. Uh, you just, you have to. He, you paid him way too much money for him not to be uh, productive. He really honestly should come away with you know a sack every other game or a sack every game with the amount of money you paid him uh i'm going to go see out on this one again score of 33 to 30 next game up detroit lions versus the cardinals and this is another game that has potential blowout written all over it the uh the cardinals are firing on all cylinders Right now, I mean, Arizona has just majorly benefited from the addition of DeAndre Hopkins. Um, we already talked about in a previous episode about that that uh, that trade has the potential to be one of the best that we've ever seen, top five for sure. Uh, they've made sure to force feed him the ball early and often these past two games. Uh, and Kyler Murray, it, you, I already talked about Russell Wilson possibly winning the MVP. There seems to be this trend with second year players. Uh, winning so I think that Kyler might uh, force his way into that MVP discussion if he continues the towards start that he's had so far this season uh, I think that again this is going to be a blowout uh, I will go ahead and as far as to say that it will be 30 to uh, 17 uh, and last two matchups Green Bay Packers New Orleans Saints so it's, it's pretty hard for me to pick against Aaron Rodgers. Uh, and I'll, I'll just say that because Aaron Rodgers, no matter what the situation, no matter what weapons he has to work with, no matter what situation on the ground game, he just always finds a way to, you know, win games. He can make any throw on the field similar to, uh, you know, Patrick Mahomes in, in that regard, although not quite the athlete, obviously. Uh, he can make any throw in the field. He guy's a freaking magician. Uh, going up against a uh, what appears to be a kind of washed up New Orleans Saints uh, quarterback in 
Drew Brees. Uh, I'm not sure if it is, you know, just the way the season has started off, but he's just not looked the same. Obviously, Michael Thomas not being in there really hurts, and they're going to miss him for a little while longer. Um, you know, they do have other weapons, Alvin Kamara, Taysom Hill, uh, Smith, and company. But really the big question is where does all that production that Michael Thomas brought to the table go? So um, hard for me to pick against the Packers in this one with, uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers under center. That's the Sunday night game. Now let's head to the uh, the main event, the game that everybody is – uh, has been waiting for and that's the monday night uh football game against the kansas city chiefs and the baltimore ravens uh in the battle against the last two mvps in patrick mahomes and lamar jackson so i happen to believe that the uh the ravens are the uh the best team in football right now and i think that uh pat mahomes and company despite their super bowl win are uh, are going to lose this game. I think that Baltimore puts up a lot of points behind their rushing attack. I think Mark Ingram, J.K. Dobbins, Lamar Jackson finish somewhere in the neighborhood of three, maybe even four rushing touchdowns. I think uh, they're going to be enough against the uh, the Chiefs. And I know the Chiefs have, you know, a uh, bevy of weapons offensively when you talk about the likes of Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, Sammy Watkins, McCall Hardman, uh, you know, Damian Williams. They have a lot of weapons. And now they have Clyde uh, Edward Hilaire. So I, I definitely believe that they will be uh, one and two seeds in the AFC, but I definitely think the Baltimore Ravens are the better team at this point in time. So I think this is going to be a slugfest. I think it'll be a uh, a pretty high-scoring game. I'm willing to go as far as 38-35 to 35 in favor of Baltimore. This will be another uh, game to, that will end on a field goal, but I think that the uh, Ravens have just enough to uh to overcome the kansas city chiefs uh with that being said i just want to close out today's episode by letting you all know that uh the format here is probably going to change a little bit maybe moving to more of a weekly recording format and i will actually be uh joined by two uh co-hosts i'll let them introduce themselves in the uh the next episode but yeah, so Buckeyes in Maryland will now be hosted, uh, you know, with, with friends. So I'm very excited about that. And uh, I'm glad to have you guys all on board. Uh, again, thank you for listening on whatever platform you are. You know, be sure to like, subscribe, you know, share. Um, very appreciated. And uh, as always, you guys have a good day.